now it's our turn to, uh, sorry for the words, but put our balls on the table. Remember, kids, this is not how you play hockey. It's just ugly. I like it. Where are you guys? I'm doing this. You know what? I love ice cream, too. Go back to Canada, Gila Fleur. Game on! Yeah, game on! Hello, everybody out there, and welcome into another episode of The Hockey Show right here on Mile High Sports. We got a little bit of a lineup change to announce here. Ryan, out day-to-day, lower body. We got Arrow stepping in, called up from the AHL. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. You're not a minor league player. Just a, a quick little show swap, right? I don't, for those who don't know, Arif is my co-host on the Hockey Mountain High podcast, your go-to Avalanche podcast, and we spit those out about twice a week. Really good shows, really uh, fun shows, but really where we get to dive into the Avalanche. Arif, this one's a little different. This is the hockey show. We got a broad spectrum where we talk all things NHL, and not to mention, it's Colorado's biggest and best live hockey radio show. So, welcome. Thank you. I'm going to go ahead and uh, interrupt the show with... Some news from Jared Bednar. Breaking news. Avalanche coach Jared Bednar announces Gabriel Landeskog needs knee surgery, but they hope to have him back for the stretch run. Also, Sam Gerrard out four weeks. Well, son of a gun. So let's go ahead and change the show and talk about what we just saw. This is is big news um, and obviously changes a lot of things. I'm kind of rattled right now. Yeah, definitely Uh, changes a lot of things. A lot to think about, especially on the top of the show. Once we have a whole show already planned... They just came and poo-pooed our entire plan. But we'll get to that in a second. We got to start the show like we start every show. First, I got a couple of announcements. I don't know if you heard, but baseball's back. It is. Don't care, especially this season (laughs) in Colorado uh, with the Rockies being the way they are. I'm boycotting. I decided I think I'm jumping ship. I'm picking a new team. My new team, the Miami Marlins. Uh, So I'm cheering for them this year. Not much better of a program, but hey, I'm just so insulted, slapped in the face by the Rockies. Secondly, we've got our matinee money, but before we get to matinee money, I want to talk about Calvin Ridley, right? The NFL player that got caught making bets. Um, I think the, the real reason I wanted to touch on it is because I'm just curious how it works. I, I mean, I know he got caught for betting on football, right? I, I don't know if it was games he was involved in, just football in general, because he's got the inside scoop. But can an athlete not bet on a sport that they're not involved in? Danny, maybe you can chime in here. Uh, so I'm not 100% sure about other sports. I think for most professional leagues, it's just you can't bet on your sport because Evander Kane was kind of got mm-hmm. caught up in something mm-hmm. similar to this with NHL games. But for the NFL, they're not supposed to sports bet at all, which is a little hypocritical from a league who's bringing in so much right now of that sports betting revenue. But Calvin Ridley, he was taking a mental health break from football. And that's when he placed those bets. So it wasn't games he was involved in, but he was still a part of the Falcons organization while he was doing it. Fascinating. Well, the the best take I have on it is, you know, with the NFL, they actually get, and the NHL, and any other league that is the official sports betting partner of DraftKings, right? They actually get a chunk of DraftKings money. So even if you're not betting, you're still making betting money when you're in these leagues. So uh, just for that simple fact, I think you can maybe skip the uh, actual action, but hey, I'm not one to talk. I'm addicted to betting. With that, let's get into my matinee money pick. St. Louis versus Nashville is actually going in 
going on right now. And then in uh, about an hour, we've got Philadelphia taking on Carolina. So I think that's an easy matinee pick, too, with those two games going on. You take Nashville, who's currently 4-4, almost at the end of the second, and then you throw in Carolina. That was a plus 130 going into the day. So I thought that was some pretty good action. But 10 games today, Arif. Yeah, a lot of hockey. No avalanche games tonight, but... Uh... Tons of hockey to go around, and I love these kind of Saturdays where they start early and they go all throughout till that 8 p.m. Hockey Night in Canada game. You got pretty much, you got NHL action all day. All day, every day on Saturdays, right? And I think this is a post-COVID kind of thing, trying to slam in a bunch of games in a short amount of time. But hey, I think this is such a good thing that they should do this every year moving forward. Just all day, every day on a Saturday. I wish they would do it. Like that all day, every day on a Saturday and Sundays after football season. I mean, people love watching hockey. I know NBC used to do like those noon or 1230 Eastern Mm -hmm. time games on NBC, like in March and April and the stretch run leading up to the playoffs. So I'm all for it. I think hockey all day, especially on weekends, is is great for the league. Well, let's get into the uh, breaking news then, right? We were going to talk some NFL or NHL officiating, but I think uh, we could put that on the back burner. We'll get to it later. For sure. But uh, let's touch on the pressing matter at hand. So Gabe Landeskog with... Uh, knee surgery coming up here. Maybe that makes a little bit more sense as to the comments that he made after that last game. Maybe he's like, you know what? He said, peace out. I'm going to talk about the officials and you won't see me for a month. (laughs) Exactly. He's like, you know, suspend me, find me. I don't even care. I'm going to be taking a little bit of a break and and fixing my knee. So good to hear that it's not too bad of a knee injury, that they could get him back by playoff time. But uh, that, that is a blow. That's tough to lose your captain more so than I would say Nathan McKinnon, right? We've seen how good this team actually can perform without Nathan McKinnon in the lineup with you with you're missing Gabe Landeskog. I feel like that throws a whole nother factor a with intimidation B just with the uh, glue in that locker room, right? He's really the guy that keeps them together. Yeah. So I'm going to refer to Peter Baugh here. He's obviously at practice. They're at family sports. I believe today it is or ball arena. I don't remember. I think they're at family it's sports. At family sports. Gabriel Landeskog is getting knee surgery. He'll miss some time, but they're hoping to have him for the stretch run. Quote, it's been something that's been nagging him for a little bit. We'll know more after surgery. That's obviously a quote from Jared Bednar. Landeskog's knee surgery will be Monday per Jared Bednar. Hopefully he'll be available for us on the stretch run, but he's going to miss some time. It's something going on with his knee that's been bothering him for a while. It was getting worse. He clarified it was not the ACL. So it's not a season-ending knee injury, but it's a... um, (laughs) <laughs> it's a we have cap space to go maneuver a little bit <laughs> at the trade deadline is what it's seeming like to me. But it's, you know what, man? I mean, at this point, it's great to see all the Avalanche players that are having these career seasons. And Gabe Landeskog's got 30 goals and 29 assists, sh- like shattering career highs in terms of points per game. He likely won't reach that 34 goals that is his career high in 72, I want to say, points anymore. But who cares? I want to it's re- about the playoffs yeah. this year. Who cares about any of that stuff? Let's rewind to what you just said, hinting at the maybe possible LTIR theory, right? And uh, I'm going to ask you two questions. I doubt you even know the answers to them, but let's completely speculate. I hear this news and I think two things. Okay, if this is a knee injury that has been nagging him for a while, why now? It was something that was getting worse. So here's the way that I see it. Look, and this is going to go back to the way that Tampa Bay handled Nikita Kucherov last year. Could Gabe Landeskog play through this? Perhaps. Uh, Is it smart for him to play through this? Not so much. Uh, Why now? Let's wait as long as we humanly possibly can until we're up at the trade deadline to say, hey, Gabe, do you want to run through this the entire year? Or would you rather sit out, be ready for the stretch run, and give us a little bit more flexibility with the the cap to make that decision? So I'm going to poo-poo the idea that I will always poo-poo, which is the idea that the 
LTIR thing is fake and players are not really injured. No, they're injured. They can play through it if they need to. Sure. They can play through it in the right. playoffs. But if you have a situation where you can take advantage of, why would you? Why wouldn't you, I should say? And it kind of goes back to the Sam Gerrard thing. As soon as Sam Gerrard was hurt, everybody was like, oh my God, that's a $5 million player. They're going to throw him on LTIR. It's fake, it's fake, it's fake. If the Avalanche were going to fake a defenseman's injury, it wouldn't be Sam Gerrard. It would be Eric Johnson and his $6 million and his 14 minutes a night. We'll, we'll see you in the playoffs, EJ. We missed you last year in the postseason. But it wouldn't be Sam Gerrard. That's your number three defenseman. So if you have an opportunity to take advantage of, you do. But it's not a fake injury. It's not circumventing the cap. It's it's within the rules. So why not take advantage of that kind of a situation if you run into it? And then my second thought and second part of this uh, question, I guess, and I don't think you're going to be able to answer this because you're not a doctor, at least not anymore, <laughs> is I hear knee injury and I immediately think, okay, that's not a tiny injury, right? Thankfully, they were able to tell us that it wasn't ACL, but in my mind, how strong can a knee really be after surgery even if you're saying, hey, he's going to be ready by the playoffs. How true, how ready is that knee really? Because knee, knee injuries can be a really big deal. What kind of knee injury can just require a quick surgery and a quick recovery and you're back? The type of knee injury where Gabe Landeskog has 30 goals and 29 assists in less than 55-ish games or whatever it is. So if he's been dealing with this knee injury for a while and playing this kind of game, I think he'll be fine in the playoffs. That's the way that I see it. Hockey players will play through a lot. And if this is an issue where he can play, you know what? Maybe he's got 30 goals and 29 assists and he's not even 100% because that's what I'm understanding from this. So maybe he has more to give. But if it's at least this level of uh, a, a nagging injury is what he deals with in the playoffs, we know he's going to be pretty dang good. Let's get into the comments now because I feel like that these go pretty well hand in hand. And I think it's it's funny to see that in the last game we've seen Gabe Blandeskog, he actually got booted. By the refs, right? Apparently he hurt the refs' feelings. But the ref conversation <laughs> has really been the, the conversation of the week. I mean, it wasn't only the avalanche that were affected. We saw Toronto. We saw the Edmonton and Washington game get affected by it. So um, I guess let's just dive right into that conversation with the officiating. What's the story of that now? Because I know every single season you start the year with high on power plays. And then as the year slowly progresses the power plays fade. And that's exactly what I think you're seeing here. You're getting closer to playoff time. Referees swallow their whistle. The let them play theory. But uh, I guess your thoughts and, and your take on the refereeing this past week across the NHL. Uh, I'm going to get to that in a sec. I just want to say, ask if Gabriel Landeskog will be back for the playoffs. Jared Bednar said, quote, we're hoping we'll know more after surgery. So it looks like they're kind of playing it safe with the maybe he won't be ready. But I, I don't know. I find that hard to believe. If he was able to play through it this long, I doubt he would go to the medical team, even if it was an egging injury that was getting worse, he's still been effective in these games. I doubt he would go to the medical staff and be like, let me stop the pain and have this injury now, even if it keeps me out for the playoffs, knowing how good of a chance this team has to win. So I know Jared Bednar has to play it safe. It's better to be safe than sorry, but um, I think he'll be ready by the playoffs. But obviously we will know more after surgery. Ref conversation. Uh, ask your question again. I lost track, obviously. Referees, your thoughts. Just to take on the um, so I think uh, kind of like how we talked about on our podcast the other day, you know, shameless plug, Hockey Mountain Higher Go to Avalanche podcast. Check it out. Uh, yeah, exactly. And um, we kind of talked about this the other day that uh, after the Olympic or sorry, after the All-Star break is usually when things ramp up with the players and they start to play a more physical style game. Well, for the officials, that means we're going to start to ref games like we do in the playoffs and swallow our whistles and not call everything and be a little bit more inconsistent because this is hockey and it's fun. And it's what we do. 
love it or hate it, that's the way the game is refed in the playoffs. I have my opinions on it. I don't completely like it. I think it's weird that the game is different. Regular season NHL and playoff NHL are two completely different leagues. You need players that get you there, and you need players that win you games when you get there. Well, not only that, the first half of the regular season is different than the the second half. And then you get playoffs. Yeah, Yeah, so it's kind of like this gradual change toward, uh, you know, Patrice Bergeron playing with a punctured lung in the Stanley Cup Finals (laughs) or whatever the heck he did a decade ago. So... I, you know, I have my opinions on that, but in terms of uh, what we're seeing right now is is exactly that. We're seeing teams get frustrated with missed calls. We're seeing Gabe Landeskog go, you know, go off about uh, missed calls regarding Nazem Kadri in a very calculated way. We're seeing the Toronto Maple Leafs, Austin Matthews, just absolutely giving it to an official after he was, uh, I believe, hooked in, 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 in overtime and then Arizona went back and scored the other way. And then we saw a play between Edmonton and Washington. Edmonton came back and won an OT. But Alex Ovechkin was hooking a player up the ice that was trying to score an empty netter. No play was called. The Capitals went back the other way, and TJ Oshie scored with 0.1 seconds left. It's inconsistent. It's 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 NHL officiating. Well, and interesting to me as well, in a year where they were trying to, I guess, crack down a little bit on hooking calls, this entire week has been about hooking, or the lack thereof, hooking calls. Um, one last little thing I want to get to before we transition into the next segment and take a quick break is I was looking in and thinking about, all right, what's Landis Scott going to get fined here and trying to look back at his history of discipline, right? And found, just bumped into a hilarious quote from Patrick Wall from 2015 on a Landis <laughs> fine that he had uh, for punching Saku Koivu. He says, for five grand, should have punched him hard enough to make it worth it. Oof. That'll do it for this first portion of the hockey show. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Um, uh, Arif Dean, JJ Jerez, Danny Bailey behind the glass. Mile High Sports. We'll be right back. Right now, it's 16 minutes past the big hour. Is that not right, Mr. Scream? <laughs> Great, good stuff. I think people are getting really cranked. Welcome back. Danny Bailey playing the fire today. Now, since Ryan Bolding's away, we're, we're getting the chance to play some better music. I hope you didn't hear that. <laughs> Ouch. Ouch. Take Not that, Not better, just different, maybe. I'll say better. I'll, I'll go <laughs> ahead and say better. Um, as we're here trying to navigate this breaking news that just happened to break at the very top of our show, Arif, let's keep plugging away at this avalanche stuff, right? We didn't really get to dive into the Landeskog's uh, comments and maybe fine. And now we're hearing about a surgery that he's going to be missing some time. But you said something in that last segment that really stuck out to me, and I really want you to dive into that a little bit deeper. And that's you saying that Gabe Landeskog's comments were calculated. Not so much that yeah. he was coming out in his in defense of his player, not so much he was just expressing his thoughts and his emotions, because, sure, he could always express how angry he is at the ref or any situation in any loss, right? But you said it's a calculated and premeditated comment from the captain. So I want you to dive into that. What, what exactly do you mean? So basically what I'm getting at here is, look, officials are human. We know this. We've heard this many, many times, and we've seen that when a referee or a player comes out and calls out an official, it does kind of change a couple of things. Or if a player dives, or if a player has a bad reputation, it does change a couple of things in terms of the kind of calls they get and how often and when. So 
we saw last year in the playoffs, Pete DeBoer came out after, I believe, game two, when the Avalanche were getting all these power plays and were up 2 nothing in the series and basically said, like, this is ridiculous and there's so many calls. And then we saw the rest of the series, the refs swallowed the whistles, the Vegas Golden Knights won all four games. That wasn't the direct reason why they won all four games. The Avalanche just kind of, you know, pooped the bed or bleeped the bed on this radio show. But uh, Thank you for the self-control. I'm, I'm trying. It's so hard. I'm used to the podcast. But um, the biggest thing here is Gabe Landeskog isn't, trying to he's not doing the exact same thing as Pete DeBoer in terms of give us more calls he's doing the exact same thing in terms of sticking up for Nazem Kadri. Kadri is going to be a massive part of the Avalanche's playoff run this year he wasn't around last year he was there for two games and he wasn't very good however this year Nazem Kadri is a different player he's on pace for more than 100 points he's having an exceptional season he's going to be utilized more than 20 minutes a night every single night in the playoffs for as long as the Avalanche are playing. And then obviously this is the last year of his contract. So what Gabe is trying to get out there to the officials is give this guy a chance. He's changed. I know he's got a lot of baggage and he's got the suspension history, but Gabe is pretty much putting out there the idea that Nazem Kadri needs to be officiated the way the rest of us are in the playoffs because we need him. This isn't our fourth line Curtis McDermott, Ryan Reeves kind of guy. This is a guy that's a big part of our team. And I'm trying to get it out there without saying it straight up, but also kind of hinting at it that you guys need to be more fair with this guy when it comes down to it because we're going to need him in the playoffs. All the while knowing Nazem Kadri is one of the best players in the NHL at drawing penalties, but just think of how many more he could draw without that reputation. Plus, you got to keep in mind that Nazem Kadri can't come out and say these things for himself. Exactly. Right? That'll be a silly look. But I genuinely, I'm with you. I think it's 100% a captain throwing on his superhero cape and coming to the defense of his player, not only because of that game, but I'd seen it in the couple games leading up to it. I, I can go all the way back to that Calgary game that we all love to watch on, uh, what was it, last Sunday or what, what, Friday? Last Saturday. Saturday. And I remember specifically two or three different plays where Nazem Kadri was just getting penalized. I mean, or they were they were drawing penalties on him and he wasn't getting the calls and you could see him. It was affecting his yeah. play. He's starting to yell at the ref instead of just getting off the ice and letting the line change. He's he's yelling at the ref in the meantime, which was slowing down his line change, which is, you know, a different conversation. But he's visibly getting attacked here by these other players. And they're they're pushing that envelope on him because they know he's got kind of a, a thin wire that can cross every once in a while. But they also know that the, the refs are going to give him a little bit of leeway. So I don't think it's much gamesmanship from Landeskog as much as it is simple frustration from seeing Nazem Kadri And his production's kind of slid a little bit, right? We haven't seen him score as many goals as we did in January. So with Nazem Kadri, he's trying to, A, get his player back to where he he needs to be kind of from a... Um, his own mindset, right, kind of encouraging him and pumping his tires, but also trying to work the refs and saying, give this guy some room. Give this guy a chance to be the great player he is because lately I haven't seen it. I've been just seeing him get pulled to the ice and him getting up saying, where's the call? How funny is it that our standard for Nazem Kadri has changed so much that he's got 11 points in his last 12 games and we're like, yeah, he's not doing good anymore. Where has he been? Where yeah. has he been? What, what is wrong with this guy? But yeah, I mean, that's exactly what it is. And I think that it's important for Gabe Landeskog as the team captain to come out and do this and have Nazem Kadri's back. Have somebody be able to say, because look, Kadri feels, we know how he feels about his suspension history. The guy's not walking around hold, carrying that with pride, like, ha I'm that guy. <laughs> no, he despises the fact that he has this reputation. He hates that he has this reputation. He challenged the NHL and and used a, a third-party arbitrator to try to reduce that suspension last year. And this is a guy that was kicked to the curb by the Toronto Maple Leafs because of it. 
They literally threw him out. He didn't want to be there. He turned down a trade to the Calgary Flames. He flexed his no trade clause and said, you're not trading me to Calgary. And then two weeks later, they said, okay, how about Denver? And he's like, okay, if you guys are going to keep doing this, I feel like, you know, a piece of junk. You guys don't want me here. Sure. So he got kicked to the curb by a team already. Literally. Literally. He's been kicked to the curb already. He's on the last year of his contract. There's also something to be said about the fact that Nazem Kadri has a, you know, is a pending UFA. And uh, my favorite saying is don't F with happy. Because if Nazem Kadri's happy here and it costs him a few million dollars, maybe he stays here. And maybe Gabe Landeskog sticking up for him, maybe a long playoff run because of Gabe Landeskog having his back makes him say, you know what? Why would I go to a French team like the Philadelphia Flyers for $8 million if the Avalanche will give me six? Just as an example. I'm still going to be rich. I still have all this money. Why would I do that? So there's a lot of things about what Gabe Landeskog just did that are impactful for the team, for their playoff run, for Nazem Kadri and the way he feels about where he is. Because this is a team that last year had the chance, the biggest and easiest chance to kick him to the curb. His teammates could have kicked him to the curb, but not one guy did. Not Joe Sackick, not Jared Bednar, Gabe Landeskog, Nathan McKinnon. Everybody stuck up for him. Everybody stuck up, stood up for Nazem Kadri, even though he was coming off a terrible season and he's responded well and now they're doing it again. Yeah, I like, I like what you're saying. I don't think any of the fallout that you're kind of speculating here is a reason Gabe Landeskog is doing it, though. I think Gabe Landeskog just simply being the person he's being feels obligated to stand up for his mm -hmm. teammates. And I don't know. My personal speculation, now that we heard this breaking news, is he knew after that game that he was going to be done for a while and said, you know what? On my way out, I'm going to come do one last service since I'm not going to be able to be there for my guys on the ice. But that being said, why why do you think the referees are kind of controlling things the way they are? These blatant penalty no calls, it really feels like they are actively trying to have an impact here because we've heard that power play goals are up. We've even seen it, right? Power play, the modern power play is just so effective. It's so efficient. When you get one man advantage, there's a there's a very good chance that you're at least creating very dangerous chances. It's up to the goalie to stand on his head and either you know you get your power play goal or not. But power play, power plays are just strong right now. To where I feel like maybe the NHL is saying, hey, let's pump the brakes on giving out so many power plays because too many teams are converting and it's becoming the difference of the games. Let's let five on five decide these games, which again is extremely frustrating because you want consistency from game one all the way through the last game of the Stanley Cup final, because if not, it becomes a different game. You see teams that are known to have success throughout the years suddenly turn into a completely different team come playoff time. So your personal theory as to why the refs are either missing these calls, whether intentionally or not. It's not intentional, and it goes back to what we were saying originally. It's the fact that when you get to the playoffs, the game is, the, the game is played differently by the players. The players ramp it up. So... You can look at it two ways. Which came first, the chicken or the egg? Are the are the officials changing the way that they approach officiating? Or are players changing the way that they play the game, which is putting the officials in a bind where they're like, oh my God, we need to start calling things differently and they're missing all these calls. So it's a mixture of both. But ultimately, the the the, the like the deciding factor of all this is the fact that the NHL for so long has had a different style of game played in the playoffs than it is in the regular season that it's impossible for an official a human being to be able to adjust at the snap of a finger to the playoff game. It's not the same game in the regular season as it is the playoffs. And right now we're not at the playoffs yet. We're in that transitional phase we've been talking about post all-star break. And that's what causes the issue. Right. If regular season is a one and playoffs are a two, we're at 1.5 right now. Exactly. And, and you know, that I, I will say, despite all of that, you know, 
some of these calls, it's like, Eric, I understand what you're saying, but some of these calls are just really, really easy ones that they're missing. Well, the biggest issue with these calls is they're happening at such like crucial parts of the game. Pivotal the moments, yeah, yeah, the Carolina Avalanche game had a lot of missed calls. I think there was a couple on Gabe Landeskog in the first and the second period. He himself got away with a few. But it's the fact that it happened late, and it's the fact that it led directly to a goal. And then at the same time, it's the fact that, uh, you know, in the other games that we talked about, they happened in overtime, led to the game-winning goal, led to the game-tying goal with 0.1 seconds. It's the fact that they're happening at these times that are putting the microscope on them. And you know he's paying attention. I remember during the Calgary game, you looked over at me during kind of the, the final stretch of that game, and you said, wow, Gabe Landeskog just got away with a couple cross-checks, right? Because during that end of that game, the referees started to swallow their whistles a little bit, and Gabe Landeskog was very cognizant of that. So he's obviously aware of the way the refs are running things, and it, I think it was a buildup. I don't think it was that one particular play. I think he sees the inconsistency of the last several games, not to mention coupled with, the losses that they're experiencing for the yeah, first there, time in there, a long time. There's some frustrations in there too, understandably so. And the people that are sitting there going, why is he whining? How dare you whine when you lose? It's like, what do you want him to do? Just sit back and cross his legs and say, yeah, we're the avalanche. We're the best team in the end. No, of course you're going to have some frustrations. But I still think the way he approached it was a heck of a lot better than a lot of other people would have. Like he came out and said, Wes and TJ Luxmore officiated a good game for 50 some minutes. Calling them by their first names, number one, that's a big thing. You're showing a sign of respect. You're showing that there's a human element to this. It's not just, ah, the officiating is garbage. These officials are garbage. Well, the officials are not this machine. It's actual human beings with actual names. So he took the right approach there. The way he approached it in explaining what it is, oh, there was missed calls on us because then everybody could be like, well, there was missed calls on everyone. The way he explained it, we thought that the guy dove when Nazem Kadri hit him. They said it was still a penalty. They said, we said, okay, sure. So call them both. And then later on, the guy, you know, it exact happened, same scenario. exact same scenario happened the other way around. And we said he dove or, or sorry, we thought it was a penalty. And they said, well, Kadri dove. Well, we said you should have treated it the same way you did earlier and just call them both. Like this is the exact same scenario other way around. So how did we lose on both ends of this scenario when it should have been one to one or, you know, a draw altogether and no penalties called at all. So that's kind of the situation. So he took the approach of the respectful approach of how to talk about the officials starting by saying, I've been here for 11 years and I've never done this. And he felt this was necessary. He's looking at the bigger picture, the playoff run, the fact that this is the best chance they've had and he needs to do this now. And it's the fact that he went in and actually explained. Like the dude literally wrote a term paper for school. He had a thesis statement. Here's the three points I'm going to touch on. He touched on them in conclusion. This is why I feel like I am right in my hypothesis here. And then anyways, go ahead, Peter, and looked at the media and said, start asking your questions. All the more reason for me to speculate that this wasn't a one-action thing that sparked it. This was a buildup. Yeah. But that being said, what what do you see the repercussions being? Is it just a fine? Does he get a little slap on the wrist? Or does he get away with it? I mean, the fact that we haven't heard anything yet is actually pretty big. Right? Uh, maybe the NHL's been trying to reach him and uh, you know his phone's on silent because he's at the hospital getting checked out for his knee or something. Who knows? Um, but uh, not literally the hospital, but with the medical staff. But... Uh, the fact that we haven't heard anything, it's 2.30 p.m. Eastern time right now, which is the time zone that the NHL offices and the league offices you know, operate under. Uh, the fact that we haven't heard anything is a little strange to me, so I don't know if we will. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I guess uh, we can dive into it more. Are we going to have our guest on next? You're the one in charge here. Uh, this guy. Potentially the next segment. We will see. All right. Uh, well, I guess we still, won't announce it. Yeah, we won't announce it just yet. Tune in to find out if or if not our guest joins us. Um, but no, yeah, we got a lot more to get into if not. So uh, either way, I'm ready to go. But nice breakdown. Way to be on your toes for this breaking news. We'll be right back. Stick through uh, 
quick little break before we may get to the guest and talk some more abs hockey. That might be a little clue for you. If not, we'll move on and talk some West Coast standings right now. So this is the hockey show right here on Mile High Sports. Catch us on YouTube, Twitch, Podcast, FM Radio. JJ Jerez, Arif Dean stepping in for Ryan Bolding. We'll be right back. Was that Iago? This is Mr. Chains, Pinky Rank, Flow Insane. It was, yes. <laughs> oh, great. I missed whatever you were Gil- saying. Gilbert Gottfried. Oh, yeah, yeah. We Iago, do that. the bird. Come on. Yeah. We love Gilbert Gottfried on this show. Uh, <laughs> now I get what you're saying. Aladdin. The Aladdin bird. Yes. For those who didn't Iago. follow like me. It's the same thing with Ryan, just so you know. He's always starts to quote and talk about movies. And, and you're just over right there, over my head. I'm like dancing and jamming to the music. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Um, but yeah, let's get around to the rest of the league, Arif. Because again, this is the hockey show, not the Avalanche show. Um, we talked to Avalanche on the both of the top two segments, but rightfully so. There's some big news. If you haven't heard it yet, Gabe Landeskog is supposed to miss the remainder of the regular season. Potentially, we'll see. Due to knee surgery. Yeah. Ouch. Ooh. This is some crazy news, man. But it's not all doom and gloom. You know, you'll have to tune into our uh, next edition of Hockey Mountain High, your go-to Avalanche podcast, to hear the breakdown. But during the break, Arif's sitting here telling me why this is potentially a good thing, that this could actually turn into lemonade, so to speak, as they were given lemons today. Yes. But let's get around the rest of the league. There's a lot to get into. A pretty active week in terms of NHL news. So let's just start at the top. I think... I want to get to the standings in the Western Conference, right? Especially the Pacific. You look at the Pacific right now, and you've got Calgary at one, LA at two, and Vegas at three. Something I don't think we really saw coming. A, with LA, they had a really rough start to their season, now jumping all the way to a second spot, and I think they stay there. They're a really good team. They made vast improvements this offseason, so I'm not surprised to see them there. But what I am surprised about is Vegas slipping so much, and not only that, they're losing. The Avalanche have been losing. Toronto's kind of on a bit of a slide themselves. Minnesota's been on a slide, but I don't think any of them compare to what you're seeing in Vegas. It looks like an all-out collapse for the Golden Knights right now. Well, the biggest thing with the Golden Knights, I mean, hey, let's let's have that LTIR conversation. If the Avalanche throw Landeskog on LTIR for the rest of the, the regular season and have that cap space to use for the uh, playoffs, the the uh like the 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 rebuttal to that is well now you don't have Landeskog for seven weeks well it's like okay yeah Landeskog is an important player but the Avalanche are so safely secured in the spot that they are in the standards that in the standings that who cares it's worthy of the sacrifice just like Tampa with Kucherov the Vegas Golden Knights have Mark Stone on LTIR he's a great player that's their captain that's their best player on their team in order to bring him back in to help them they need to get under the cap so not only are they struggling and reeling but they don't have any reinforcements coming because if he comes in, well, now you got to trade, I don't know, Martinez or Riley Smith, or like you got to make a couple of moves to fit him in. So now you're struggling. What do we do? Do we try to play this out without Mark Stone and keep this, you know, uh, star studded roster that's struggling? 
to get us into the playoffs and then add Mark Stone and go on a run as the eighth seed like we've seen so many times in the NHL? Or do we try to get Mark Stone in now knowing we got to sacrifice other players? So the Vegas Golden Knights are legitimately reeling. I know they're holding that third place spot. They got 68 points in 60 games. Well, third place wildcard team is the Edmonton Oilers. They have 66 points in 58 games. So they got two games in hand, four points up for grabs, and they're only two behind the Vegas Golden Knights. Basically, they have a better points percentage than the Golden Knights right now. And both of the two wildcard teams are in the Central Division. So if the Edmonton Oilers could just stop <clears throat> bleeping the bed, they could knock up, knock out the Vegas Golden Knights and get up there into third place and leave the Vegas Golden Knights in ninth place in the league. And Vegas is only three points up on the Vancouver Canucks, and the Canucks have one game in hand to make up two of those. They're not looking good right now, and they're four and six in their last ten. Something's going on with the Golden Knights, right? And uh, a few weeks ago, Edmonton even jumped the the Golden Knights for a day or two. Um, but I think Vegas, you, you to no one's surprise at all, it's the goaltending, in my opinion, that's mm-hmm. the biggest issue. Of course, you could say Pacioretty, Mark Stone are absent. That's those are big weapons that they're used to having, sure. But the goaltending has been an obvious hole to me, and we we saw this coming. Like I said, with Robin Leonard, he's having those bad games that we know he's prone to having, and we all expect it out of him. So they have to go to their backup, Laurent Brassois, and now they're suddenly having to rely on him a lot more than is normal for Brassois, and a lot more than is called for for Brassois, right? They're really having to throw him in in pretty much 50% of the games lately, and it's because you can't rely on either. They've got a massive hole there, which... You know, I think all of us really are cheering for the idea and thought of Marc Andre Fleury returning to Vegas. That would be fun, um, but I don't see that reasonably happening, right? I mean, a that's just kind of a too Hollywood of a story. B it sounds like Marc Andre Fleury doesn't want to move his whole life and uproot an entire family again, but he might have no option because he he's definitely going to be coveted come yeah, trade deadline. There's so. several teams that need him. Vegas being one of them. Another one being Toronto. Do you think Toronto makes any moves? towards a goalie, considering the Jack Campbell news out for two weeks, pivotal two weeks here in the schedule, too. Yeah, and the fact that um, they also, Peter Morazic is just, he's not just having a bad year, he's having a brutally terrible, like, horrifying year for his for like his case. It's it's not good at all. So, um, the biggest thing is with, with Toronto is they have a couple of injuries right now, obviously. Jack Campbell's only out a couple weeks, but they got Jake Muzzin, who might have to shut her down for the regular season, potentially longer. So, like, this isn't even a calculated, let's use him for LTIR. This is a legitimately, we don't know when he's going to be ready type of situation. He makes upwards of $5 million. So, um, there's going to be a situation that Toronto might have to, you know, look into, which is shutting down Jake Muzzin like the Avalanche with Landeskog until the playoffs, potentially longer, and using that cap space to go out and trade for Marc-Andre Fleury at half salary or, you know, maybe a depth defenseman like Calvin DeHaan. Heck, he plays for the Blackhawks. You can get both of them in one go. So um, there is a there is a opportunity for Toronto to kind of leverage that situation as well. You need to be in that situation in order to take advantage of it. For Marc-Andre Fleury's case, I mean... It all depends on where he is in life. I mean, the guy does have three Stanley Cups, but he was only the starting goalie for one of them. Well, one and a half, but one of them on the cup clinching game. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been a four Stanley Cups. He's obviously going to make it to the Hall of Fame. He's right up there with over 500 wins. Like, he's he's a heck of a goalie. He's also, what, 37, 38 now? If he comes out and says, you know what, let's give it one more run and wants to go to a team that's a contender because he has that itch to win... 
it would be a struggle with the family thing, but maybe he does the thing where his family stays put where they are now in Chicago and he just goes back and forth for three months. It's hard. I'm not the one to make that decision. He has, you know, beautiful little girl daughters and, you know, I'm not going to be the one to make that decision for him. But if that's the case and if Toronto comes calling, as much as you're a hero in Pittsburgh, as much as you are the guy, the icon in Vegas, you win a Stanley Cup for Toronto, you are... You get a statue. You get you get a statue and you are forever etched in history as that guy. They haven't won since 1967. He will be on every single... I don't care if it was Fruit Loops or if it was like a Tesla car. He would be in every commercial in Toronto just securing the bag, bringing in dollars upon dollars for an hour of work once a year if he goes to Toronto and wins the Stanley Cup there. So there is a little bit of extra motivation there, but he's the one that needs to make that decision. And then Toronto needs to be the one to talk to Chicago and say, what will it cost and what does it take? Obviously, all of this assuming that they can go out and um, that they can go out and they can, you know, shut Jake Muzzin down. Is Marc-Andre Fleury at a point in his career where we have to be talking about the end? Because I feel like he still has a lot more to give the game. I mean, obviously, from a personality standpoint, he's always going to have a lot to give the game. But I watch him play hockey, and I don't see that big of a slide from when no. he was at his peak. Absolutely not. No, he, in terms of like his actual ability to tend the goal and be a goaltender in the NHL in this day and age, as a 37-year-old, uh, he absolutely can. But it's where he is in life. Because he's not going back to Chicago. They're rebuilding. He's going to have to move again. And where does he go and how many years do they give him? I don't know. Does he want to move to Edmonton? Probably not. It's really cold and gloomy out there. But if he does, he's not going to go to Edmonton for a one-year deal and uproot his family for the third time in three years. It has to be a two- or three-year thing. Ideally for him, the Pittsburgh Penguins come knocking and say, hey, why don't you come be our tandem goalie with Tristan Jari? Backup slash wink, wink, nudge, nudge. If he sucks, you can be the starting goalie again. Uh, we'll give you whether it's a one, two, or three-year deal. That's the kind of place that as soon as his career ends, he's going to retire and stay there. This isn't a situation like Jerome McGinley where he came to Colorado, played a couple of years, and then had to uproot and move back to wherever he lives now, I think in Boston. If Marc-Andre Fleury goes back to the Penguins, he can play out the rest of his career there where it's one, two, three, four, or five years, however long he wants to be there. It doesn't matter because he knows that when he hangs it up, he's going to stay there, assuming that's where he wants to be. Same thing with the Golden Knights, though I doubt he's going to go there. So it's just kind of basically what I'm getting at. It's not about Marc-Andre Fleury's ability to play. It's about where he is in life and wanting to go ahead and sign a new contract and do it all over again. Yeah, I just think as a goalie, you know, you're kind of back there by yourself anyway. It's not much, you know, camaraderie. So why not just go give it a, another run at the playoffs? I mean, that's what you're here to do. Yeah. You only have so many shots at it left. Why not? Leave and he's your family a, behind. He's a fiery competitor. He's yeah. a fiery competitor. Like he's he he could do it. He's the kind of guy that could turn things around for teams like uh, Toronto or I don't know. Let's just say, knock on wood, it doesn't happen that the Samuel Gerard news was actually Darcy Kemper news that's going to be out for four weeks. He would be the kind of guy that can come in here and rejuvenate the team. And then lastly, real quick, we have tomorrow's Heritage Classic game, right? We've got the Winter Classic. There's the Stadium Series, and then there's the Heritage Classic tomorrow. Another outdoor game, Toronto versus Buffalo. Does this excite you anyway? Does this tingle your hockey bones? Mm -hmm. I'm actually excited for it because I know that the game is in Hamilton and Canada not only has had not much to cheer for lately, but they've barely had any of these kind of big events with big crowds. So kind of how we were feeling in, I don't know, April, May of 2021, that's how the entire country of Canada is feeling for this event, where it's like, finally, we have one of these things that we can go to. So I think it's going to be really cool. Uh, for that reason, I think it's going to be a big hit and a lot of fun. I also think it's hilarious that the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Buffalo Sabres are playing in Hamilton, Ontario, 
and the Buffalo Sabres are the home team for some reason. <laughs> so uh, I don't know why it is, but you know what? I've I've heard Maple Leafs fans argue and complain about that, but in my head, I'm like, you should you should be happy because now you have a game in Hamilton that you know is going to be dominated by your fans plus 41 games at your arena. So you technically have 42 games this year. I think the NHL watches buffalo bills fans and their tailgates and says how do we get that into the nhl let's just give them the home game well you got to talk to trudeau and say you got to let our people in yes their trunks might be full of like you know wwe style tables (laughs) but trust me there's a method to this madness if they have a couple of gas tanks and maybe a couple of bottles of lighter fluid there's a reason why please don't stop them at the border (laughs) all right that'll do it for this portion uh we got one final segment here we still don't know if we're going to get joined by our guests or do our typical mixed bag skate either way we're ready so i guess uh stay tuned it's kind of like a choose your own adventure book but you get no control so i guess it's not like a choose your own adventure book at all but <laughs> we'll be right back on the hockey show right here on my eye sports Arif dean jj Jerez, danny bailey we'll be back play hockey and I fornicate because it's the two most fun things in cold weather. Dang, you're feeling it. I thought he was going to start with the chorus. I was about to go into it. What's the chorus? I mean, this is the Jay-Z one, isn't it? Does Jay-Z have a version of this? Yeah, this is, this this is, is the Jay-Z one. I knew it. <laughs> That's my Jay-Z impression. Atta boy. <laughs> <laughs> it's your boy. No, that was terrible. Um, let's get to it. Mixed bag skate. We're going to do it the same way we always do, where it's just a, we're going to rattle off a bunch of fun things that yeah. happened in the NHL week. For the record, for the record, we were going to try to have Peter Baugh from The Athletic on as our guest, but obviously with the Landeskog news breaking at exactly noon, him and I have been texting and it just wasn't going to work out. So right. hopefully next time. Had that news not happened, there was a good chance he was going to be on at 12-16. And we were going to talk about Gabe Landeskog's comments post-Carolina game, but we had to do that conversation without him. So. And as you could tell, those first two segments, everybody in Avalanche Media is running around with their hair on fire. Right I'm now. struggling. I don't know how I got through those looking at my computer, listening to you and talking and hoping I don't sound terrible. <laughs> Start mixing in words, right? Just, yeah. Um, yes. I'm typing. Yeah. Mixed bag skate here. Let's get to it. A few things to get to. We, we touched on Vegas a little bit. With that, we saw Jack Eichel's return to Buffalo this weekend. Didn't exactly make himself look too, I don't know, what's the right word here? Um, Heroic, I guess, in Buffalo's eyes. Definitely came out afterwards and had some egg on his face with his comments. I mean, he got booed, so his feelings were a little bit hurt. Um, I guess just your overall thoughts on Jack Eichel's comments after the game, more so than his reception at Buffalo. I think we all anticipated that. See, I don't think he anticipated that. Why? Why wouldn't he? Because of the way that it went down. Exactly. Because I think in his brain, and you know whether you agree with it or not, I think it's a mixture of both. He should have anticipated it, and he had a right to want to ask for a trade. I think in his brain, he was you know the one good player, and obviously you know he had a couple of pieces like Sam Reinhardt and guys like that, but he was the one good player on a team that sucked for seven years to the point where 
by the time he asked for a trade, he kind of thought maybe the fans were like, yeah, we're, we're, we're sympathetic with you. We understand it because Buffalo has been so embarrassing the last five years. We've seen, we've seen, there's a guy named Dwayne who's famous for going on radio in Buffalo and just shredding the team with how terrible their operations are, how the team is being run, their roster, to the fact that they had alumni at events with those fake China jerseys that you see where the nameplates look all screwed up. Like he just completely tore the team apart. So I think in Jack Eichel's brain, he thought, yeah, I can I can ask for a trade and people will understand. Like, yeah, we get it. You spent seven years of your career here. And then obviously on top of it, the neck injury and, and you know the, the disc fusion, the artificial disc replacement thing kind of made him realize that like, yeah, I'm going to get some booze, but it's not going to be the same kind of welcome. And I use that with air quotes that John Tavares got with the Islanders where they completely shredded him. But that's what he got. So I don't think he was expecting it to that level. On top of that, they got blown out by the Buffalo Sabres. Peyton Krebs scored. The game clinching Didn't tuck as well. The game clinching goal that was the empty netter was Jack Eichel at the point at the blue line with the puck on a six on five attack and Alex Tuck taking it away from him to go down the ice and score the empty netter. Like it was poetic in every single possible way for Buffalo and their fans. So when he came out and said what he said, it was frustrations, it was shock, it was heat of the moment. And I welcome it because we can't sit here as hockey, you know, media guys and be like, we wish players were more honest. And then when they're honest, we're like, we wish you just shut up and gave us cliches. No, like, I, I don't want to go down that route. No, not at all. But my take is if he for a second thought he was going to get a warm welcome going into Buffalo, he's an absolute idiot. Warm, warm welcomes their heart the wrong way to put it. I think he was expecting booze, but not like that. You don't you're not the best player on a team and asked to leave and get a warm welcome, get anything but booze. I mean, I, I, two names come to mind, right? First is Carmelo Anthony. He'll get booed for the rest of his life in Denver. The second is Matt Duchesne. Look at Matt Duchesne's. Everybody understood why he wanted out. Everybody was okay with him going out, especially that with the was... return, the return that got, came back to Colorado, and yet he still gets booed. One last one, Nick the Quick Van Exel. I don't know, that might be a throwback for a lot of names, but when he was in Denver, same thing happened. The Nuggets were terrible. The Nuggets were maybe the worst team in the NBA. He asked to get a trade, and for the rest of his career, he got booed every time he returned to Denver. So it's just the way it goes. No, understandably so. I just there's two levels of booing. There's what Matt Duchesne gets. There's what you know Jack Eichel thought he was gonna get, and then there's what the Islanders did to Don to John, John Tavares with throwing snakes at him and completely <laughs> rattling him to the point where the next game at home, Toronto had to have what was called a John Tavares day and literally celebrated him and saluted him to say, we know you got your hurt feeling your feelings hurt at Long Island the other day. Let's go ahead and change that today. I think Jack Eichel was expecting more of the regular. Oh, here comes Matt Duchesne back to the roster. Boo. than he was what happened to John Tavares. And then obviously mixed in with the fact that the team is sliding. The team is reeling. He's not playing too well. The team's not playing well. And they got embarrassed by the Buffalo Sabres. It all kind of amounted to that level. Do I agree with what he said? No, like I, I like, the comment he made about uh, saying they're booing me because you know they love me and wish I was still there. I don't like the comment of for seven years they've never been this loud. It took me leaving for seven years for the fans to uh, get into the game because now you're kind of chirping at the fans and I don't really like that. But at the same time, if you're going to chirp at him and he chirps back, like it's it's just part of what happens with this battle. Okay, remember the rapid part of rapid fire here. My bad. Along with that game, we had <laughs> old friend Car Craig. Craig Anderson. Anderson getting his 300th win, really on his way out, but still making himself relevant. And I know you love to see it because there's a little part of you that wants Craig Anderson back. 
Craig Anderson is the perfect third string goalie, uh, a heck of a lot better than Jonas Johansson. If you need a guy to be there for injury insurance in, in a backup situation in case Frankie or Kemper goes down and the other one needs to start and needs somebody sitting on the bench, you would much rather Craig than Eustace Annanen or Hunter Miska. I don't know if Craig Anderson would want to come back here given the way it ended. Speaking of, you know, bad breakups, yep. but uh, that was a decade ago and it was a different time and a different life. And Craig's been through a ton since there with himself and his family. So I don't know, but congratulations to him. This is a guy that didn't get his first start in the NHL until he was almost 30 when the Avalanche signed him. And uh, now he's at 300 wins. It's, it's incredible. Yeah, and what, just once you think he's out of the picture, he puts himself right back in it. Huh? Yeah, and just to give you an example, I know you want me to rapid fire this, but Tim Thomas, who also was late in his career, had 214 career wins. So that should say all you need to know about the longevity of Craig Anderson's career, even yep. though he started late. We got seven more things to get to and three minutes to do it. Perfect. Wayne Simmons hits his thousandth game. I think what I really like about this is the style of player Wayne Simmons is, right? Usually you see thousandth game, it's a, a lot more of a skillful player, skillful player, a lot more graceful, a lot more finesse to his game. Wayne Simmons is a hard nose, go in the corner, muck it up in front of the net, makes it to a thousand games, missing half of his teeth, but you love to see it. Yeah, it's uh, one of those players that you love to have on your team, and um, there isn't enough of them in the NHL these days. I love Wayne Simmons. Alex Nedeljkovic, maybe the most embarrassing goal of the season. He, of course, is a goaltender and for the Red Wings and knocked, down, knocked in his own goal. What I see from this, it's rule 101 as a goalie. You never want to stop the puck on your backhand because of that reason. You think of the curve on a stick. If you catch it on your forehand, your forehand helps cradle it in. You catch it on your backhand, there's a good chance it's bouncing on you and you don't know yeah. where it's going to go. But my question to you can you remember, and I know this is a little bit on the spot, sorry, a more embarrassing goal than that? Uh, the one that Marty Brodeur let in from center ice in the 2003 Stanley Cup Finals will always take the cake for me, and it would mean so much more to the rest of the NHL fan base in the world if the Ducks actually won that series. But it was literally, I think it was Sandus Ozelinch, old friend of, of uh, not the show, but the Avs. Uh, Maybe one day the show. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I think he shot it in from the opposing blue line and it just trickled past him in game six or game four. One of those games in Anaheim. But if you haven't seen it, go uh, search it on YouTube. Bad goal, Marty Brodeur, 2003 finals or something like that. I think it was Ozil Lynch. Dallas Stars' Jason Robertson gets back-to-back -back hat tricks earlier this week. Did you see this coming from a guy like Jason Robertson? There's a lot of guys in the NHL doing a lot of crazy things right now and he's one of them. Um and uh, I'm going to go ahead and credit Jason Robertson as like 75% of the reason why Joe Pavelski resigned there because that line <laughs> with Pavelski, Hints, and Robertson is incredible. Just an unbelievable line. And Joe Pavelski feels so much younger playing with those guys. Jason Robertson is a gem of a player. I'm not surprised at all seeing those Dallas and Avalanche matchups that we saw most recently. Jason Robertson was making some noise and was causing problems for Colorado and really making some aggressive and dangerous offensive opportunities. With that, Joe Pavelski signs for one more year in Dallas. Puts to bed the uh, trade rumors that we were all thinking maybe he was getting shopped here at the deadline, but your thoughts on Joe Pavelski staying in Dallas? There's no reason for him not to. The team looks good, and he believes that they can get a win. Or, sorry, they could win and win the Stanley Cup. And if you're Pavelski, yeah, you know, you might look at other teams and think those guys are, you know, better suited than the Avalanche to win the cup, but that's not the way you look, or better suited than the Stars, but that's not the way you look at things. You're in that locker room. You have a belief in your team, so you're going to stay there if you think so. 
Three more things to get to. 60 seconds. Can we do it? Jonathan Huberto leading the league in scoring right now. Obviously, I don't think any of us saw this coming, but are you surprised by this at all? No, just because Jonathan Huberto for the last few years has been an incredible player and operating at over a point per game pace. Uh, last year, he had 61 and 55. In 2020, 78 and 69. And in 2019, 92 and 82. Like he's been up there. But now what he's getting is that extra little bit of a bump for his team being as good as they are. Kind of like Gabe Landeskog and Taves and yep. McCart and all these guys. 100%. Like Landeskog's a great 70-point player. He's on pace for 90 this year. McCar's a great 80-point player. He's on pace for 100. Like there's things that you get a little bit of a jump. But again, this is a guy that in 2018-19 had 92 points, followed by 78 and 69, followed by 61 and 55. I'm not surprised. He's a heck of a player. Phil Kessel's Ironman streak lives thanks to the 15-second shift he got and then left the arena to go visit his newborn baby, right? It's yeah. Approaching the 1,000th game, I guess, what do you think of the 15-second shift and the manipulation of the Ironman streak? I'm here for it. I have no issues with it. If you do, then you are looking far too much into it. He almost scored in that shift. Like, that would have just been, like, the <laughs> cherry on top. That would have been um, so great. I have no issues with it at all, and neither should anybody. And then finally, we did it. We did it. That was a good rapid fire, I just fire had to too. talk real quick at the end. You had to calm me down a bit. Not going to lie, that rapid fire felt really good. Really good. Um, Yammer Yager having a charity game for the refugees of Ukraine. I love this because it's Yammer Yager saying, okay, I need to help, but how do I help? Shoot, the only thing I know how to do is play hockey. I'm going to play hockey. <laughs> That's all I ever do. <laughs> uh, yeah, I love it. It's Yammer Yager, and the fact that the NHL and their social media accounts is on board too is is great. Yammer Yager is and always will be an icon in this game, and this is just another example of that. He's over 50 years old and still playing professional hockey. Hat tip to Yarmar Yager. Woo. Also, by the way, it was Sandus Ozelinch. I Googled it while doing this whole crazy thing. So Sandus Ozelinch scored from beyond the blue line on Broder like that. Awesome. We made it through, Arif. We, we can exhale. We got, I'm oh. good. I'm ready. I'm, I'm just getting another warmed hour. up. Let's you get ready another for more? Hour. Let's get a whole another hour on Landis Gog's knee. Let's get, let's call Our podcasts are usually twice as long as this. <laughs> let's get a doctor in. Let's get Peter Baugh in. Let's get Peter Baugh's mother, Peter Baugh's mother's friends, Peter Baugh's friends' mothers. Tell yeah. all the mothers. All the mothers. All the friends. Um, but yeah, that'll do it. Thanks for hanging out with me today, Arif, and filling in. Big shoes to fill. You you filled them. And I will say, for uh, advertisement purposes, shout out to the guys at Total Beverage. Yeah, that's true. Total Beverage in Thornton and Westminster. Go ahead and check them out. Everything you need and more. Um, and of course, don't forget the NCAA West Men's Regional Final being held up at Loveland. You and I are going to go. We sure will. I'm telling you, we're going. We're absolutely going. Are you going to match for that, too? Yeah, we're yeah we're gonna be twinning, and Dan Bailey's actually gonna buy our tickets and our drinks. This was an accident, Danny. This was an accident. Funny I thing know. though, I went to the gas station this morning, and the gas station attendant also was wearing the same the burgundy sad, color. The sad part that Danny Bailey can't see is we're both wearing gray joggers as well. <laughs> Thanks for hanging out with us here on the Hockey Show. Make sure to check out our podcast because it's Fire Flames. If you like Avalanche-centric podcast. Hockey Mountain High, your go-to Avalanche podcast. It's so hard for me to crisscross them. I forget which one I'm on, which the one I'm talking show, about. The Hockey Show Mountain High I call podcast. Ryan Arif all the time. I call Arif Ryan, so I'm just going to call it a day. Enjoy your Saturday full of hockey games, and we'll be back next week break down some more hockey. Thanks for hanging out with us. We'll be back next week. Bye. I know you want to take me home. I know you want to take me home. No!